You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of History We Forgot, where me, Morrison, and... Christy Phillips. Tell you a story about a little story here or there in history <laughs> and everything surrounding that event. Today, because it is June of this of this year, uh, it is the 79th anniversary of D-Day, the beginning invasion of the Americans, British, and Allied forces invading Nazi-occupied uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so going into this real quick, uh, we first learned about... World War II in uh, fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holocaust, not so much yeah. until sixth grade. But we learned about World War II uh, as the biggest event, uh, largest war, war period in all of American history. Do you remember when you first heard about it? I know that's kind of a hard question. I I would say probably around the same time, probably fourth or fifth grade. Basic social studies. So yeah. Back when uh, they started switching you in classes and stuff. Yeah. I remember that was the first big step was in fourth grade. We That's when you could move classes. Other oh, they, than like art and gym, they didn't do that to us until sixth grade. Yeah. Is when we could move classes. Yeah, we uh, we started doing that in fourth and fifth because you'd go to your math teacher, then you'd go to your English teacher. Your teachers taught math and science, one taught English and history. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember that, like all of those those two things are always paired: history and English, mm-hmm. always paired together. You never have a math teacher teaching fucking social studies. No, <laughs> that's confusing. Yes, but yeah, so. Uh, on June 6th, 1944, mm-hmm. uh, the Allied forces decided to enact Operation Overlord. Coolest fucking name. Yes. Uh, and this is actually backpedaled with another operation, Operation Market Garden. Do you know anything about that? Mm-hmm. So Operation Market Garden was to fly deeper into Europe and drop Allied forces uh, disguised, uh, sometimes as civilians or uh, commandos, uh, past enemy lines to help shore up the effort on the coastline of Europe. Mm-hmm. So you would have the main invasion, the expeditionary force, um, led by the Allies, mm-hmm. to go into Germany, or not to Germany, but into the coastal area of Europe. But as that's going on, you had commandos and stuff airdropped past those lines, past the German banknotes, to help cause chaos on the inner parts of like Holland, France, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of shore up, you know, how the Germans are going to fight on kind of like two quick fronts, you know, central, you know, central Holland, France, stuff like that. And then you have Operation Overlord, the full invasion force. Yes. Now, to go into it, um, the reason America is involved. (laughs) So two years and six months earlier, uh, December 7th, 1941. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, that's when the Japanese decided to attack Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a quick response, the United States divided, decided to invade Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One hand feeds the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, like, do you understand, the, uh, do you know the connection between those two nations and why we decided to do Germany first? I know that... Uh Germany was the bigger threat mm-hmm. because Japan pretty much 
I don't know how to say it nicely, but it was kind of they barely made it that far and that there there was no way they could have done it again. Yeah. So and and we pretty much knew that. And Germany was the bigger threat and then as soon as it happened Adolf Hitler pretty much got together with Japan and basically said, hey, good job, you guys. I totally back you. Yeah. I got your back. If they come after you, I got your back. It's totally fine. Yeah. So to kind of lay the groundwork of people who don't know anything about World War II, you have the axis of evil, the axis powers, mm-hmm. uh, the fascist uh, government of Italy, the fascist genocidal group of Nazis in Germany, and the empire of the rising sun that is japan Mm -hmm. those three nations have banded together because they all had common enemies main reason was russia was the main enemy of japan uh because in the late late 19th century uh there was the russo-japanese war Mm -hmm. between the russians and the japanese uh and that was a continued conflict that lasted for a very long time even up to almost war one um and because of their hate of the Russians, Germany decided to go ahead and ally themselves with them. Uh, they were an empire unto themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japan had actually ramped up its forces post World War One um, with weapons. Uh, decided to expand uh, because of a weird history of Japan. Uh, decided to expand uh, pr- years, years before the original date of what people believe World War II started, which the, the Europeans believe that World War II starts on September 1st, 1939, when Germany decided to invade Poland. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't go well no. for the Polish. No. And because of that, the British decide to end appeasement. Mm-hmm. Uh, France's already on the path of being fall uh, being to fall uh, so they ramp up the efforts to go after Germany yes now during this time there is a kind of shift of what's going on in Russia and so Russia decides that Germany is now an enemy mm-hmm. because the, the original agreement was they were going to split Poland in half mm-hmm. and be cool with each other yeah so, but Going into Operation Overlord, your allied countries are uh, France, or the what's remaining of the French government, mm-hmm. uh, Australia, mm-hmm. Poland, Czechoslovakia, South Africa, Great Britain. That includes Ireland, Wales, North Ireland, all the all those surrounding nations, and the United States. Yep. Now, do you know anything about pre World War II America, bef- like before this? Uh, what do you mean? Like the dynamic, like the political dynamic about how to deal with enemies foreign and abroad. Uh, the idea of F that, we ain't going over there? Yes. It's a very, <laughs> yeah, so before the idea of American exceptionalism, yeah. there was the idea of laissez-faire politics yep. because of World War I. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, it was still called the Great War. The it, War to End All Wars. The War to End All Wars. Well, because of the War to End All Wars, we do get great scientists like Alfred Nobel, who invented dynamite to end all wars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we get uh, the, uh, Madame Curie and her husband, who creates radium. Mm-hmm. You know, which worked out fine. Albert Einstein. Yeah, Albert Einstein for World War Two and stuff like that. So, because of World War One, the United States decides that all European affairs, and this is kind of a political on both sides, was. United States doesn't need to go to Europe anymore. Mm-hmm. They can solve their own fucking problems. Yeah. 
The United States, however, changes their fucking mind over one day. Yeah. And what I love is there's this great story of the senator who's railing against the United States dealing with Germany or dealing with Britain or dealing with you know Japan or China. It's like, there's no need. And while he's giving the speech, Pearl Harbor happens. <laughs> and because they didn't have mass communication like they do now, mm-hmm. there was such a shift for this one congressman. They voted him out like a week later, even though they were cheering for this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew the fucking guy's name because I've never heard of a referendum of a full Congress seat didn't pass that quickly. Yeah. And how fascinating that is. Well, I know that uh, one of the things that I taught when uh, we covered World War II, uh, because I tried to, since I teach American history, I tried to approach it from the American perspective instead of the European perspective, which the kids are used to. Because when you teach it from the European perspective, the kids see how gradual Hitler's rise was and how gradual America gets pulled into it. Yeah. When, well, t- I mean, technically they don't get pulled into it. it. Technically, it's hey, Pearl Harbor happens. We are at war tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, well, America uh, before I will say before World War before Pearl Harbor, America is involved slightly. Yeah. Uh, during the North African campaigns. Yes. Uh, and the invasion in the you know the early days of Britain trying to invade Italy mm-hmm. wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, Greece was a fucking there was a whole mess in Greece mm-hmm. uh, because. I think I think what doesn't get taught in history is like, yeah, the Axis power are all allies, but they were all still doing their own kind of thing to a point. Yes. Was, you know, your three leaders, you have Hirohito, the emperor. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Adolf Hitler mm-hmm. in Germany. But you have Mussolini in Italy. Mm-hmm. And by the time America gets involved, Italy's already invaded all of Southern Europe. Yes. Uh, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, you know, basically, you know, they've helped take these plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Africa is heavily filled with Nazis and Italians. Yes. Um, and they're a full fascist group, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, you know, what we saw in high school when we were learning about this was the American perspective. Mm-hmm. We learned very quickly that the United States had to get involved. It was, it was, there was no question it, no matter what happened, America had to get involved for the Axis powers to fail. Well, one of the things that uh, it was hard for the kids to understand is why we didn't get involved sooner. Yeah. And it was hard for me to teach them that because it was hard for me to understand, to be honest with you, why we didn't get involved sooner. But it was cool because... When we went to the Holocaust Museum this last time, they had just started the new exhibit that they have. If you have not seen it, please go to the uh, United States Holocaust Memorial Museum website. The exhibit is called Americans in the Holocaust. Um, There is also the Ken Burns film, Americans in the Holocaust. Uh, It's a six-part series. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Can't recommend it enough. Um, They show polls that went out at the Times talking about should we invade Europe? Should we get into the war? Should we let Jewish refugees in? Should we only let in women and children? Should we only let in people of a certain age group? And the polling is one of the most devastating things to look at. If you don't even look at any of the other stuff at all, it's one of the most brutal things to watch. And one of the things that the kids got to see, there's a seven 
seven minute video it's a documentary called a night at the garden and it is a pro-nazi rally that happens at madison square garden and it is in 35 or 38 i can't remember off the top of my head 35 probably and uh it's all american run oh yeah and they film they show parts of it in the film and you see the NYPD outside on their horses trying to maintain order. And the people come in and it's full Nazi regalia. George Washington, there's a giant, uh, there's a giant uh, tapestry of George Washington. Yes. America first. Yes. They give, they do the national anthem. Uh, they say the Pledge of Allegiance. When they say the Pledge of Allegiance, they leave God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, but everything else is exactly the same. That's not added until 1957. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. But so let's talk about the demographic real quick before this America starts to uh, kill everything in sight. Um, and going go to what you, what you just said, uh, mm-hmm. why America didn't join sooner? Yeah, um, I know exactly why. The demographic of the United States is horribly different than it is today as we know it. Yes. When you think about another country, just saying something about the United States. <laughs> just the just them going on the offensive in any way is met with one of the most extreme responses of the United States. You Period. Know, you know that I'm thinking about uh oh what's his name? Um the comedian that talks about the the horse at the hospital. Yeah. And then he talks about Melanie. Uh, yeah. If you even look at yeah. the hospital, yeah. I'm going to just Kill. lose. <laughs> yeah, but like that—that's what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, it, it's still true. And it's, and, yeah. and, and still, but before that, America were laissez-faire. Mm-hmm. The America, in all intents and purposes, you know, it's just the Continental Forty Eight at that time. The flag looks different, but a big part of it is the second most spoke language in all of America was German. That was that's period. That's how that was. Yep. All your northern states from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Idaho, Oregon, you know, all those immigrants went to those colder climates and thrived because that reminded them home. Mm-hmm. And that's just how the demographic was. And there yep. were just so many of them that they were second generation Germans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to New York, there is that idea of. Yeah, America is more like Germany, and Germany is more like America, mm-hmm. because at that time Germany idealizes America. Yes, in certain aspects before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, but a fun story about that little incident in the garden is a little man named Meyer Lansky. You know who Meyer Lansky is? Mm-hmm. He is a hardcore little mobster. <laughs> he is so hardcore that he had a group of fellas get together. Uh, find out this shit's going on because he himself is a Jew. Mm-hmm. And he was friends with a man named Lucky Luciano. Ooh, I know that name. An American Italian mm-hmm. of the highest kind. And these guys were thick as fucking thieves. Mm-hmm. And they decided to get a bunch of good old boys together in all the Tiffin's person in New York City mm-hmm. and go outside the garden. Tell some cops to take a break. Hey, would you go take a drink? <laughs> hey, my Irish brother, why don't you go take a drink over here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'll be all right. Because Irish were known to be immigrants, but also known to be cops. Mm-hmm. So, 
this little event lets out. And what's waiting for them is a group of thugs. Yeah. Of Italian and Irish and Jewish descent. Mm Mm-hmm. And proceed to chase these motherfuckers down in the streets outside the garden. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic story. I recommend anyone reading it. I would love to carry over that just on a topic of its own. But just for the demographic of how this is going, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very fucking different. Yeah. Even Al Capone, as bad as he was, hated the fucking Germans. Yeah. Couldn't fucking stand them. Yeah. Uh, but another part of this is the West Coast people forget about. Mm-hmm. The West Coast had so much hatred even before Pearl Harbor for any Asian American or Pacific Islanders. Yes. Um, There are terms in the Old West uh, talked about the uh, anti-Chinese League. Yes. Uh, There are referendums uh, ending immigration in China Mm -hmm. during our early presence uh, of that time of the Old West. And it's a very different world Mm -hmm. and it's very open about it. Yeah. Um. And another thing that's going on in 35 to this time mm-hmm. is the Depression. Yes. We're reeling. America economically is at its lowest. Mm-hmm. It would probably err a bit. Uh, one in ten are unemployed. Uh, two in seven do not have homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, farmers are mogra- migrating like nomads. Uh, and then, you know, at some point, Franklin Roosevelt puts his foot down as, as if he could. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> it you tried to make it one. It was funny, okay. Oh, is it too soon? My bad. My bad. I made a joke about the guy in a wheelchair. <sighs> but anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. So Franklin <laughs> Roosevelt decides to create a massive economic forum. Yes. Uh, in this though, he decides the New Deal. Yes. Him and a group of congressmen get together and they create the New Deal. Mm-hmm. Now, certain companies at this time don't like this fucking New Deal. Yeah. Uh, one of those companies are actually people who make mo- the most money off the war in Germany. Uh, DuPont, 3M. Yeah. Uh, these chemical companies, you know, they, uh, you know, Rockefeller, mm-hmm. um, Carnegie, all these guys are going to make ha- money hand over fist because of World War II. They yeah. don't see it coming, but they end up doing Mm-hmm. And what I think is fascinating is is when it's ramping up toward that toward 1944. As soon as Pearl Harbor happens, as soon as it fucking happens, a switch is flicked in the United States. Mm-hmm. Don't you ever look at me that way again. You look, you have, you have a dream of invading me. You better wake up and apologize. Yep. Like, like that is the American standard from now on and to today. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, why a lot of kids are going to say that. Because I had that question, too, when I was younger. Why the fuck? What, this is happening? You know, just let this stand by? Like, when I was growing up, it's like, there was some little shit going on in fucking Kosovo in the 90s, and we didn't let that shit just slide. Yeah. You know, and, and, what? Are you out of your goddamn mind? They went to Vietnam on a whim. <laughs> yeah. They went to Korea. And those people think we're cannibals. Mm-hmm. And they just let us there. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that, that's a whole episode about propaganda, about East Asia and what people think white people are. Oh, do let us do a whole episode on propaganda. <laughs> we are cannibals to those people. They think we eat people. Uh, in North Korea, they do. Um, but anyway... With D-Day ramping up 
before this. Mm-hmm. So Pearl Harbor's happened. The United States decides to shift focus to the European Atlantic Theater. The Pacific Theater is getting rebuilt. The whole country overnight, because of the New Deal, has already you know hit its uh, you know twilight years. Mm-hmm. We built the Blue Ridge Parkway. Yep. National parks have been refurbished. Uh, to uh, Teddy Roosevelt standards because yep. he was a conservationist of the highest order. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loved bears. That's in fact why they're called teddy bears. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. That's exactly why they're there. So if you had a teddy bear growing up, thank a guy who kicked the shit out of Central Americans. <laughs> and uh, according to my students who will know this question, he uh, became famous because he was on a voluntary cavalry called the Rough Riders. Regulators mount up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, with with America, America turns itself into basically the largest factory ever created uh, overnight. Mm-hmm. Now it's no longer hey guys, we're not have to worry about the depression anymore because everybody's gonna have a fucking job. Because if you don't, you're not American. Yep, we don't trust you actually. That's that that's one of the biggest things I thought was just fascinating about how America changes kind of over within like a month. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, everybody's signing up or getting drafted. Mm-hmm. This and this is actually the largest draft of all time. Yeah, when it comes to the United States, um, and this idea of hey, you got guys who aren't very healthy are just saying like, no, I've got to go fight, bribing doctors to even saying I'm not 4H motherfucker, I'm A1. Mm-hmm. Let me fucking fight. Yeah, you know, and that and I like I kind of like that idea almost like how how fast does it take to change that, you know. We grew up in the age of 9-11, mm-hmm. and we had friends that went over. Yes. I, you know, we didn't graduate until 2008, and we still had guys I graduated with that still joined because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. That was actually, we had a worry. In, and at one point, like 2003, when Iraq happened in the opening salvo of March, some of us were just like eighth grade, ninth grade, and we're like, uh, do you think the United States will use a draft? That was a fear for us as a guy. That actually was a legitimate fear. Like, the United States is having a full-on holy war yeah. with all of the Middle East. And it's just like, you think they'll fucking sign that shit back? You know, that's a legitimate fear for a lot of guys. I, I went to school with a guy named Jake. And this motherfucker actually had that fear all through middle school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, can you imagine mm-hmm. thinking that through school? And you get and, But mentality is different back then. You had guys quitting school and be like, I'm going to go fucking fight in the Army, motherfucker. Yep. I'm going to be in the Navy. I'm going to be a Marine. I'm going to be in the Army. It doesn't matter. There was none of that different thing. It's like, oh, you're a you know, loser goes in the Navy. It's like, no, no. We're in this together, motherfucker. Yep. Kill them all. Yep. And I think that I think that kind of plays into a bigger demographic when it comes to, like, is it, would you call it patriotism? Or how would you, how would you kind of describe the, this to students now when they we have a lot of divisiveness now anyway but that's always that's always been there i don't know because it it's interesting to me to see because you and i both being students of history we know it's going to flip-flop when vietnam comes because yeah. then it's going to be who can i pay to get me out of this yeah what appendage can i shoot off or cut off so i don't have to go yeah. So I'm. I think you can do a Ted Nugent. It's not bathe for thirty days. <laughs> but I, I think, I think a lot of it was. I mean, 
It's hard, it is very hard it, to describe. It's, it's tricky to explain because we there are so many people who, if you're born here, and even if you're not born here, if you're a part of this country, you love this country. And you want to fight to defend this country. So if you see something happen, you want to do your part to do something, anything. And being, speaking as somebody who, until recently, could not have been drafted, I later on, I actually looked into going in. Yeah. The draft was never something that I worried about because they couldn't have drafted me anyway. Yeah. But I actually looked into going over. And I had a bunch of friends who were girls that looked into going over, too. And those of us that didn't, knew people that did and i had a bunch of people i'm like why you know you're gonna see combat you know you're gonna see active combat why would you go now when you know you're gonna see active combat and it's you saw the same footage that i did you saw we lost people people got hurt people were scared yeah and we don't deserve that and i and having listened to testimonies of people who saw Pearl Harbor happen, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's, for tat, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. And I think uh, but the disconnect is the the perpetrators. Yeah. So, so this 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 is this is kind of a different thing about World War Two than anything. In World War Two, mm-hmm. it's literally good versus evil. Yeah. Period. We could talk all day about the failings of the United States, of how it treats its people, the nasty shit they do to its people, and abroad. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it was the people of the United States versus an empire of the sun, Italian fascists, and an army of serial killers amped on a methamphetamine who created industrialized murder. Period. That's that. That's that's the definition of Germany, of Nazi Germany between 1935 to 1945. Period. A army of serial killers of the highest order. That's how I would describe Germany. And I don't like this. And I will say this. The people of Germany are culpable. Period. Every last fucking one of them. I totally believe that. I don't know how you feel. It could be different. It is to a small extent. Yeah. I believe that your average Joe Blow on the ground was not as much to blame as, you know, your your Herman Goering, your Rudolf yeah. Hess, yeah. your higher echelon fellas. Mm-hmm. When you have a house and a family, yeah. and the higher-ups, the brown shirts, come to your house and they tell you, look, you're going to serve or I'm going to torture your family before I kill them in front of you. Take your pick. Then, where's the pen? <gasps> I can't sign the document fast enough. Yeah, and that's more of a moral dilemma yeah. uh, as opposed to an ethic dilemma. <laughs> Which, I mean, and it's the same thing with, we had this discussion at the last time when we got together at the North Carolina Gathering of Holocaust Educators. We had that discussion of People are saying, some people are saying, like on the internet now, in this time, Hitler was wrong, but he has some good ideas as far as like 
the Autobahn, the Volkswagen. Donuts. Stuff like that. And it's like, no, the German people did those things. Yeah. Hitler himself did not invent those things. The German people and their industrialization before Hitler's crazy warped up ideas invented those things. So you can't do you can't say that he did those things. You have to say the people who built the factories, the people who actually did the work, give the credit where the credit's due. Well like a thing that People, I don't think people realize is the term cult of personality. Mm. This is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Everybody is loved by Hitler, and everybody loves Hitler. That That's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Because he got him out of an economic situation. Granted, it was through some fucked up ideas, but those ideas worked to get Germany out of a bad spot. Germany post-World War One was a hellscape. Yes. But he decided, you know, he went to jail for a little bit, wrote a stupid little book, and became head of a dictator of an entire fucking nation. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, he used nationalism and a pseudo version of socialism Mm -hmm. to create Nazi Germany and all its regalia. Germany, at no point, was at its highest until he came along. Period. Yeah. And that's where we get the term Reich from. Mm-hmm. This this stupid idea that Germany is manifest destinied into being in charge. Mm. And he gets that from the United States. Um, the idea of manifest destiny of how we took the West. And mm-hmm. how a large swath of immigrants from all over came to the United States and took what they wanted. Yeah, It's not really manifest destiny. It's just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Because that's what America was. Yeah, A free for all. And I think because of the demographic of all the United States running up to this time, right before December of you know forty one, yeah, they're not going to give a shit because America is exactly how they want it. Mm-hmm. There's these little fiefdoms in all these little towns. Hey, you remember that little German town in Georgia? Yeah, yeah, it's outside Augusta. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it was an all German town. Mm-hmm. They only spoke German, probably. They spoke little English. Yeah, but yeah, that's how it was. You had boroughs in all the cities of different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. They only spoke their fucking language. Yeah. Here in North Carolina, you had different people, like out in the coast, they spoke almost a differently fucking language than someone in the fucking Appalachian Mountains would because in the Appalachian Mountains, you still have people who are speaking a version of Scottish or Irish or some weird version of English. Mm-hmm. You still have people deep south in Louisiana, Mississippi speaking Creole, mm-hmm. which is French and Spanish and English all put in, mashed together to a fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't care. Yeah. About the places their parents came from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the coolest thing about the United States. You know, I always believe that, yeah, you're you're all those things, but you're American first. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah. You appreciate your heritage. You can. You can. You can take pride in it if you want to. But yeah. end all be all, you're still an American. Yeah. That's what you should be prideful about. They came all the way the fuck over here. Decided to beg, borrow, steal. Some of them, a lot of them, kidnapped and brought over here. Mm-hmm. Lose their identity. Guess what? You're an American. Period. You've earned that right. Yeah. More than some. Yes. But you're an American, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But at that time, 
the idea of, oh, this guy waved a, a stick at me. I'm going to kill everything that he ever loved. Yeah. Was not the American mentality. No. And I think if I was to teach that, or if I was, that's how I learned history, mm-hmm. was that the United States is very different pre World War II. Yes. Americans hate war before World War II. Mm-hmm. But when you start laying it out as a good guy, bad guy, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to be the good guys every time. Yeah. Because in Germany, they believe they were the good guys. Mm-hmm. That's, that's totally believed. That's the total belief of those people. And I get it. Yes. You want to be the good guys. I get it. You're wrong. But guess what? <laughs> yeah. You're wrong. Well, one of the things, one of the other things, too, that I had to tell the kids that they didn't understand was that anti-Semitism was not just as bad over here, but prevalent, too. Yeah. Because you get people like Henry Ford. Yeah. The father of industrial... Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And building cars, and they're like, he's... he's uh, it, it always kills me when people quote him about uh, all the smart stuff he did. I'm like, yeah, he was a smart guy, but yeah, he was a racist, a bigot, and an anti-Semite. I think that's kind of the hardest thing. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the hardest thing to talk about when you're talking about people who have all these great ideas that shape the country we live in or the mm-hmm. world itself. Is yeah, they're going to have some batshit insane ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great example is Einstein. Yeah. Einstein had some weird ideas about a few things, but... He had the ideas of you know nuclear fusion and fission and all these things about the universe and how it works, relativity, physics, and everything. He was a smart man, but he mm-hmm. didn't. That doesn't mean he didn't think about dumb shit. Yeah. You know, Oppenheimer, the guy who created the nuclear bomb, which we'll talk about in a whole separate episode, mm-hmm. was a fucking communist. Yeah, yeah, just bad shit. Yeah. Uh, Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh, vehement fucking eugenicist. Yes. And now, and you know that's part of the demographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, pseudoscience. Now, at that time, they didn't know it was pseudoscience. It was this weird combination of religion and science meld together into this idea of, oh, we can breed the bad people out. And we can use a semblance of a time before that called phrenology, which is a very stupid fake science. Yes. Um, but at that time, super fucking prevalent. Mm-hmm. And I kind of understand why this is happening. Because people are scared. They don't want criminals anymore. They don't want monstrous people in society. And how do you get rid of them? Well, you breed them out. That's not true, but that's just what they believed. And that's all what eugenics was. If you have good genes, you have good genes. That Well, guess what? That automatically means there are bad genes out there. We know this not to be true now. But in 50 years from now, they're going to look down at us and say, well, those fucking idiots don't know what they're talking about. They're, you know, Because we're going to talk about something that we don't know nothing about fully or the idea has changed. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing about science. It changes. It flows yeah. with time. But, but, then, but then you get somebody like Lindbergh who not only took it as get rid of the criminals and everything, but took it to how do we stop races? How do you yeah. destroy a race of people? Yeah. You literally breed them away. Yeah. Or sterilize them out. Yes. Um, Which, when he went and talked to his uh, best friend, and I say best friend and I mean it, his best friend, Reinhard Heydrich. Yeah. And Reinhard Heydrich goes, huh, this sounds like a good idea. Let me tell my friend Adolf about this. Well, I think I think another thing about Charles Lindbergh was, you know, he's a pilot, he's an engineer, he's, he's, he's fascinated by planes, he knows a lot about aeronautics. Mm-hmm. Who has the best? Germany. Mm-hmm. 
So when you're fascinated by something and you go pursue that, guess what? You're going to meld into a culture of people who are good at it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They, they may have different beliefs, but that's going to go with you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally cool with that shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have 18 families across Europe. <laughs> like, just like, yeah. Just say it. Just, it happens. It fucking happens. Uh. But go, uh, kind of going back toward D-Day. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look, guys, if you're listening to the show for the first time, this is how the show is. We talk about a topic, the demographic, and how it got that way, how we teach it to the kids today, how they feel about it, how are they learning it, how we learned it in comparison, and try to give all the little stuff in between that we didn't hear as kids mm-hmm. and how we it needs to be told. Yes. It's a story that needs to be told. And that's why we named it History We Forgot. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that gets forgotten about. Um, a great example is this in in less than 20 years, a little over 20 years, World War II will be 100 years ago. Those people will no longer exist. Period. Yeah. Not yeah. a single fucking one. And it's, a, it's something that needs to be documented. It yes. always every, every last thing needs to be documented. Period. Mm-hmm. All right. 100 years ago today, America was in a tight spot. Mm-hmm. The worst kind of... like Everybody owed somebody something. Mm-hmm. In a bad way. I think my favorite conversation about this was in the uh, beginning of the Grapes of Wrath. A guy pulls up in this beaten car. He's like, hey, who are you? Are you from the bank? And the guy's like, no, man, I'm not from the fucking bank. I'm just here to give you this letter. The bank's taking your house. Are you taking my house? No, man, I'm just here to deliver the fucking letter. Well, who am I supposed to shoot? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) Not me. I'm just the fucking messenger. And he drives away. And it, that's that's the mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that's going on between in America between the 1920s and 30s, our criminals are running rampant. Yeah. Goddamn animals <laughs> just running around. Those fucking idiots, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, just trying to walk out of a theater on man his own goddamn business, which way some cop put, plugs him in the face. Yeah, after he shot how many people? Yeah, fuck them. He's an asshole too. <laughs> Babyface Nelson gets fucking Ooh. shot. In the in a fucking hardcore uh, uh, car chase, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pretty boy Floyd gets shot in an orchard for fucking hundred yards, blows his fucking guts out all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. These people are animals, and they're still yeah. they were running around, and people fucking loved it because why fuck banks? That's why. <laughs> uh, a tale as old as time. <laughs> yes, like the story of Jesus. <laughs> fuck banks is the American story to the highest degree. Yeah. That in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the revenueers. Mm-hmm. They're getting it. And another thing, the gangs. You know, yeah. mafia gangs because of just like, I can't have a drink. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. And it becomes drinks, heroin, dope, all that other shit. Yep. You got people like Meyer Lansky kicking the fuck out of Nazis in the middle of downtown New York in fucking Madison Square Garden. The greatest place in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but going up to this, what are the other, what the other countries are doing before D-Day? Well, Britain is having a goddamn field day because they can't figure out what they want to do. Churchill is vehemently opposed to trying to work with Russia because Russia is on their own ass, getting mm-hmm. defeated by the Germans, and he can't get toe to toe with Stalin like at all. Well, that's because uh, Russia. Uh, that's because Stalin and Hitler have this whole toxic relationship of "I like you, I don't like you" today. Yeah, but that's goes into that's another thing about those <laughs> countries is, hey, what's what's if I was to ask you know your students, hey, what's why is America different from all the other countries? What's different about America than all the other countries? 
know what's the problem with Russia? It's filled with Russians. You know what's the problem with Italy? It's filled with fucking Italians. All those people are the same. Hmm. The United States is not. Yeah, that's true. You try to get a North Carolina and South Carolina to sit together long enough to eat some fucking barbecue, guess what? They're going to start stabbing each other in no time. <laughs> that's because somebody's going to say theirs is better. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? They're all different. Yes. There are no... To them, every state is a country unto itself. Mm-hmm. But together, we're the United States. Mm-hmm. We're a union. That's what's different between us and every other country. Mm-hmm. We're laid out so fucking differently. Hey, what's your heritage? Well, my people came from Germany. My people came from Ireland, Scotland, Great Britain, Norway, Finland, all these European countries. Yeah, African Americans can't say that. They don't know where the country they're coming from. All they say is Africa. Mm-hmm. Asians. Asian Americans in the West. Yeah. Oh, I'm from China, Japan, Korea. Guess what? All those are fucking super fucking different. Mm-hmm. To a point where they hate each other because of it. Yeah. But here in America, you're American. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Like I said before. And that's what's different between all these other countries. And that's what makes us the scariest fucking thing on the playground. Is you don't know what we have up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in another podcast, me and you talked about Lord of the Rings real quick. J.R. Tolkien compared, uh, compared the United States to the Ents in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Because the Ents are super powerful. But they don't want to take a quick action because they don't want to get involved because yeah. they're too fucking powerful. And I think that's the only American exceptionalism that should be taught in the United States. That what America does on the offensive makes us the most dangerous thing on the playground. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Is it good? No. Is it bad? No. It's something else. Yeah. And it can be used for good. And in World War II it was. Mm-hmm. Whether it happened in or out, it's a whole new episode. Yeah. But Britain decides to go on the offensive against Germany. Finally. And this is where we get stories of the Kennedys. The Kennedys, uh, for those who don't know, Joe Kennedy, the father of JFK, was the ambassador to Britain. And he was a Nazi sympathizer of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't want the United States to get involved. Well, guess what? When they started burning London, he got the fuck out there while the getting was good and was like, yeah, maybe we should start killing fucking Nazis. Yeah. It took him a while, but he got it. Mm-hmm. And the United States starts trickling in people yes. around 1939, 1940 uh, to help with the offensive in North Africa, mm-hmm. helping with the offensive in Greece. Uh we're sending pilots to back up the RAF, the Royal Air Force, mm-hmm. to do bombing campaigns. Now, something kind of happens right before D-Day. So Eisenhower, mm-hmm. future president, future president Eisenhower, decides to say, hey, we need one Allied commander, me. Um, <laughs> Not to vote myself in, but yeah. Um, and he has a very George Washington approach to this. Yes. He's like, look, I'm going to be the face of this. I'm going to be the one in charge. I'm going to quit. I'm going to retire, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be in charge. Yeah. And he kind of wrangles this cadre of European allies together. And you get the famous photo of FDR, mm-hmm. Churchill, and Stalin. There are, you know, the, the term of picture has a thousand words. Mm-hmm. This had a million. <laughs> At least. These are the three guys who are going to divide the world. 
mm-hmm. how they see fit. And because Eisenhower said, sit down, shut up, and give me everything you got. Because this is what I'm going to do with it. And effectively, World War and World War II. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of casualties of any wherever. But yeah, he's got this. Yeah. So I want to talk about, so Operation Overlord is the invasion of Europe. Yes. And retaking the land of occupied by Germany. Mm-hmm. Now, Britain had some problems trying to uh, play this game. Yes. But there's one part they didn't have a problem with. Uh, in a future episode, we're going to talk about the use of nuclear weapons. But before this, there was an Operation Gomorrah. Do you know anything about Operation Gomorrah? Other than what we talked about earlier? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in 1943, uh, in Operation Gomorrah, uh, the city of Hamburg, deep in the Russian, uh, deep in the German world, mm-hmm. they decided to do a incendiary fire campaign. For those who don't know, before nuclear weapons existed, and during the idea, because that's another thing about this, people were thinking about nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. All the countries were trying for something. Mm-hmm. Because someone said out loud, did you know we can make a bomb? That was the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. Yep. One guy looked at another guy. He's like, hey, you know this nuclear energy we got? Guess what it could do? If we split the atom and do it a billion fucking times, we can make a sun for like two seconds on and Earth. And destroy everything. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> and starts doing something else. But no, they kept talking about it, talking about it. Mm-hmm. But... We did fire campaigns. So for those who don't know, uh, a fire campaign is when you drop uh, a set of bombs in a certain order. Um, To create a fire campaign, you drop one bomb filled with white phosphorus flechettes. White phosphorus is a war crime today. Yes, for good reason. It's also called Willie Pete. If you ever hear an American soldier talk about Willie Pete, that's the most horrific fucking thing he could say. Yes. So what... Willie Pete does is it drops slowly, and white phosphorus burns so hot it can melt steel and stone. Yes. So Britain decided to name it Operation Gomorrah, as in Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Turn the city to ash as if God Himself did it. Period. We do this in Japan. We about take Japan without even not shooting off a fucking nuclear bomb. Because we did shit like this. Yeah. Because it gets the job done. The, you know, to, for comparison, we have the war in Ukraine going on right now. Yes. Uh, the city of Kiev, Bombas uh, and Salvas, we know what they look like. Yes. And they look like now. Mm-hmm. We have a comparison. If you were to take a picture of Hamburg in, like, let's say 1942 mm-hmm. and compare it, like, visually to 1943, you can't tell. It doesn't, there's no markers left. Hmm. There's literally no markers left to compare it. Even Hiroshima had that one little building stand. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is this is what this geographic location is. In yeah. Hamburg, you didn't have that. It all looked the same. So, phase one is the Willy Pete, the white phosphorus. The second phase is the bombs. What the Willy Pete did was start little fires and get people out of their houses. And then the bombs dropped. And because the impact creates air pressure, the Willie Pete gets hotter and hotter and hotter until stone and steel and glass melt. And they created what's called a firestorm. 
Mm-hmm. British pilots at this time said it got so hot in the plane from the residual heat from the ground. Keep in mind, these guys are in planes dropping bombs. Said they about suffocated just from dropping incendiary bombs. <laughs> the pressure was so hot and rough they could barely get the fuck out of there. And these guys are high in the sky. Yeah. It's a, 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 an imagine of how hot something is. You know, we, we work outside. We do this, we do that. But imagine it so far you can't breathe. Now imagine it 10,000 feet down. It's nothing. It's nothing but fire. Mm-hmm. And this gets brought up during the time of Dresden mm-hmm. later on after the war. Yeah. Which people kind of forget what the timeline of that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's before the Europe gave, uh, Germans gave up. So, yeah, it's probably justified <laughs> in a little way. We'll talk about our disagreements on nuclear weapons on another day. Um, which is going to be my same response right here, which is, yes, let's uh, kill, a, let's slap a fly with a, with a 10-pound sledgehammer. No more fly. <laughs> no more goddamn fly. Yeah, but dang, no more house. <laughs> no more house for the fly to be in. <laughs> hey, I saw a spider in my house. Well, did you burn your house down? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> That's different. That's a spider. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. Anyway, so leading up to this, this was a campaign. Mm -hmm. This ramps up the Germans. Yeah. And this is where they start developing, you know, you talk about German engineering. They start developing something that comes in very handy. Something brand new, never before used. Rockets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Germans have a history of being the best in engineering for a reason. Yes. They're extremely fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. And building rockets, they were getting there. Yeah. As If you think about how fast we get technology, World War II, so fucking fast. Oh, yeah. On every front. Absolutely. Um, but because of the way Nazis think. <laughs> or uh, don't. Much like Russian communists, was pride before the fall. Mm-hmm. So those people who helped build these weapons of mass destruction left, got the fuck out of there where the getting was good, because they were going to get killed. Mm-hmm. And they come here to the United States. Um, a great story is um, a, a scientist uh, overseas was fleeing Germany, and the British tried to get this guy over by talking him into drive, uh, flying a plane called a Mosquito, which is a demilitarized plane across the English Channel, and they're talking to him, trying to get him, like, look, you need to do this, you need to do that, and, like, get the fuck out. Well, he was such an arrogant prick that he thought he was smarter than everybody that he kept talking over these people, and to the point where he was in the plane, high up, and at some point, he doesn't put on an oxygen mask, and he passes out, and they thought, oh, fuck, we just killed one of the most important scientists of Germany who was going to help us. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck! Like, like it's, it's, it's a panic moment. It's a, it's a great panic moment. Yeah. And it's kind of a war of intelligence. The war of the nerds. Uh, they kind of win this war out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another part of this is when we get to Germany during D-Day, there is this fear of how bad it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get into the numbers. It's kind of like... Just like it was estimated that 125,000 people died. Yes. Now... This is also a war of happenstance mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to how battles are won. Yes. So the reason we did so well, and even so well is kind of a rough term, during the invasion of Normandy, 
in the Dordogne of France is one, we were allied, is a united front, mm-hmm. a coalition of the willing, yeah, you know, to go back to like 2003. Uh, Canada, Great Britain, United States, mm-hmm. all these guys are sending people over. The British and Canadian forces take the northern part of Europe, the southern part, uh, southern coastline mm-hmm. is Omaha, Utah Beach. You know, these are the names we grew up hearing in history books. Yes. But for the Britain, it's Sword Beach mm-hmm. and X-Ray Beach and stuff like that. Um, and because of happenstance, it wasn't fortified correctly mm-hmm. by the Germans because, one... Uh, Hitler really enjoyed amphetamines mm-hmm. and would go on benders. And anybody who's ever done amphetamines knows there's a crash. He was crashing mm-hmm. and couldn't. In general, German generals are, sca- are fucking overwhelmed. Two, not all people who were defending the coast were German. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were drafted Czechoslovakians, yes. drafted Aryan Poles. Uh, a good example is this if you watch Seven Private Ryan. Yes. There's a scene where two Nazis are trying to give up, and what they're saying is, no, no, we're not German, we're Czech, right before they get shot. But they're speaking it in Slavic. They're not speaking German because those guys who came over to Normandy were told certain phrases in German, like, hey, if he says this, he's surrendering. If he's saying this, he's giving up. But if he's screaming fucking Slavic and you got a guy from, let's say, some kid from Nebraska, Fucking M1, guess what? He's going to fire because he doesn't understand what the fuck that guy's saying. Yeah. And that's kind of a visceral scene when you hear it, when you do it in like a, when you find that out later on. Because mm-hmm. when I first watched that movie, I'll just fucking shoot that guy. He's fucking screaming some nonsense. Fucking shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> and how bad they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. They thought it was going to be 10 times worse. They thought they were going to lose almost the first three waves. The first waves gets obliterated. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the description of this. They create these boats. For lack of a better term. Lack of a better term. Floating coffins. Yeah. Uh, And just storm the beach. Just storm it. Now, what the Germans have and what the Americans have are two separate different things. Yes. Uh, The the Germans are masters at weapon building at this time. Mm -hmm. They created guns that were meant to be... Just the most brutal fucking thing to happen to you. If someone pulled out an MP40, which was a submachine gun, it was going to tear you in half. Yes. Uh, but that's not to say that the United States didn't have anything either. Yeah. Because there was that sweet point when we talk about gangsters. After While War One was going on, America decided to invest in weapons manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So they invented stuff like the Browning Automatic Rifle, which is a super fucking loud weapon. Mm-hmm. They invented the Thompson submachine gun. Yep. Uh, The Trench Sweeper, also known as a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Mm -hmm. Which, fun fact, uh, of all the things that happened in World War I, do you know why the Germans hate that? They called it, they said, it was a war crime for the United States to send a man in a German trench with a shotgun, willy-nilly, blowing the fucking heads off Germans. They used chlorine gas and mustard gas, but that right there, the shotgun, the Germans considered a war crime. Granted, I get it. It's used to kill demons from hell. I get it. <laughs> but fuck, man. That that young man from North Carolina, flown, not flown, but took a boat. Mm-hmm. Starts 
you know, starts pumping. Yep. Boom. Boom. We know this sound as the home intruder fucking sound. Yep. Back then, this German's like, I heard a tale mm-hmm. of some seven-foot-tall American who eats Germans for breakfast and blows their heads off with, yep. a, with a pipe from hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's that propaganda getting to you, you know? Yep. And I love the great example, like, like we'll get into another story. Like we'll get into World War One. That'll be a whole like seventeen part episode. Probably, yeah, because it's fascinating. But uh, do you remember the movie Pearl Harbor? Yes. You remember the beginning of that movie where they're in the field, mm-hmm. and the two boys are talking, and that guy jerks his fucking arm, and that kid says, "Get your hands off me, you fucking German!" And that dad just fucking posts up. He's like, first of all, I fought the Germans in the trenches. You don't know what kind of hell I've seen." I was like, you should have expanded on that. <laughs> like, yeah. Because that guy was probably the guy with the shotgun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that guy right there put hail in the fields of Belgium and France and Germany. Probably. And I just I think it's a fucking weird fact that that's the worst thing that Germans think about Americans up to that point was they took a shotgun to the fucking trenches. Yeah. Even though they're using machine guns and gas. And, mm-hmm. and but another worry of D-Day was dirty bombs. Do you, yep. know, do you know anything about the dirty bombs? Not for the ones that they were worried about at D-Day, no. Okay. So, the United States knew that the Germans were working on nuclear technology. Yes. That part I did know. <laughs> they didn't have enough resources mm-hmm. like the United States did. Mm-hmm. The United States, basically, like I said before, is a giant factory. Mm-hmm. They're making all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. They're making Sherman tanks like pennies. They got You got women, you know, doing their part, mm-hmm. making ships, making the USS North Carolina. Yep. You got guys making shells, bullets, all this, everything that can be made to be thrown at the enemy mm-hmm. is being made in, in, the, in America. Yes. And Canada. Mm-hmm. So, we had all the time and money in the world to make nuclear weapons. Germany did not. Yeah. But the worry was they could make a dirty bomb, mm-hmm. which a dirty bomb is a low-yield explosive mixed with radiated content. Oh. So... It could fit in a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple grenades, some radioactive material. You pop that off, everyone's irradiated. Mm-hmm. You're fucked because at no point when people were making these nuclear bombs, the word radiation sickness never came up. Mm-hmm. Ever. Mm-hmm. They thought, oh no, it's a psychological weapon. That's literally what they thought it would be. <laughs> they had no idea what radiation sickness was. They had the radium incidents with the radium girls. Mm-hmm. But no one ever like decided like yeah that, that could happen <laughs> until the Germans decided when they were making their weapons. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, they didn't think fast enough. Yeah. But you had guys, you had you know U.S. soldiers with Geiger counters on the D-Day ships, you know, as they go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part of this is uh, Operation Mincemeat. Mm-hmm. You know this story. I do. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh. So Operation Mincemeat is the biggest con ever mm-hmm. to be con. Uh, let's take a just pull a weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yes. Take a dead body, dress him up, and confuse the Germans. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because we fucking can. And it's this giant distraction event. Uh, I'm not going to go too far into, but it's a giant distraction event to throw the Germans off of mm-hmm. where this operation is going to happen. So mm-hmm. the Germans did have pre knowledge that this was going to happen. They just didn't win. Yeah. And neither did the United States. Yeah, the weather. <laughs> uh, the United States, they had trained and trained and trained in the hills of Britain. They had trained in Ireland. They had done all of these uh, 
kind of the first ever uh, town invasions, mm-hmm. um, the building to building kind of stuff. We 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 grew up watching in Iraq and Afghanistan. These, yeah. these uh, insurgents type stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and they trained in all of Britain. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing is uh, to throw off the German aircraft and Luftwaffe. They had giant inflatables mm-hmm. tanks on the ground, and they would have guys in these tanks just like running around with these giant balloons. And the Germans were like, "Oh, look, there's a it's a tank infantry. They're over here. Let's bomb here." And it's like, you just blew up a shit ton of balloons. Mm-hmm. It scared the fuck out of Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but, Poor Terry. But one of the like best representations of this is Band of Brothers. Yes, where they're all. Getting ready, getting ready, and then it's like, "Hey guys, sorry, pack it in. We're gonna do it another day." Yeah. Ah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And they're and they're fucking annoyed. Yeah. Uh, but in the long run, it works out. Mm-hmm. They decide to on a clear, clear morning across the English Channel. And they're like, <laughs> "Clear-ish." Clear-ish. It's a good time to be alive. Let's go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and they actually caught the Germans on their heels. Mm-hmm. They were moving troops away from Holland, away from the shores of France, because of what Stalin was doing. He was ramping up. Mm-hmm. He had moved troops to different parts of the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. And the Germans are like, well, fuck, he's changing strategy. we got to change strategy. Let's pull some guys here that nothing's happening. They keep telling stories, blah, blah, blah. And the German generals, who were actually running the war in all intents and purposes, Adolf Hitler just says, fuck it, y'all do it have no communication are nope. getting killed out from nowhere and are tired basically yeah. so catching them on them heels was the best thing america could have done with great britain um the other reason that they moved which i think is hilarious um you talk about propaganda you got to talk about Patton, general yeah. Patton. yeah and his crazy self yeah so the united states spread the rumor or let the Germans catch word that Patton was going to do an invasion on the other side from where they were. Yeah. So Hitler found out and he overrode his generals the only time he ever did. His general said, no, there's no way he's going to come from there. There's no way the way the rocks are, the way the weather is, there's no way he would move troops from over there. And Hitler said, no. We have been watching Patton from the very beginning. Patton is the uh, serpent head of the United States military. And that is exactly what he called him. He said, he will come from there. You move the troops there. So they moved there because that's where they let it leak that that's where Patton was. And go, to, go, to, to like the, <laughs> go into like the leadership of the axis of evil. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Like, they're putting up a strong front always. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. But it comes across the wire. It's December 8th, December 9th. Hey, uh, the United States decided to go ahead and join. Oh, why? Why, why, why would they do such a thing? They, we got not, we have sympathizers. We have. There are Americans fighting for the Nazis. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Yeah. Why would they do such a terrible thing? They were on. No, they're, they're isolationists. They, they would never. No. Oh, no, no. You see, Japan decided to preemptively strike the United States over an embargo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can imagine, like, the joke is, like, Hitler being like, nine, 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 nine. Yeah, He's fucking like he losing his goddamn in, shit. Like he is an inglorious bastard. 
<laughs> I could see that too. But I don't think he's he would lose it as much as someone like Mussolini would have lost it. Because Mussolini oh is just like Cascasse, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Mu- Mussolini with that angry bulldog face that he oh, yeah, has. Oh yeah, yeah, that 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 bully face. Mm-hmm. And how fucked he was, because he knows he's going to be the first one on the fucking chopping block yep. as soon as these guys come up. And you know, and the way Italy had fought wars over that point, a lot of it was surrendering very quickly or switching sides, mm-hmm. which they did in World War One. Yep, uh, they switched sides and joined the United States mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, and said, no, 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 Greece is fine. We're not going to use it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we were just kidding. We're just kidding. We're not trying to expand the, uh, you know, the the old Roman Reich. Uh, but I could imagine between Mussolini and his generals, they're just like, we are fucked. The Nazis are moving guys from North Africa back to Europe. Rommel has decided to give up because he doesn't <laughs> give a fuck anymore about his family getting killed. Because that's another thing about Rommel. They were going to, you talked about it before, they were going to murder his family if he didn't wait for Germany. And he, at this time, is also plotting to kill Hitler on his own. Yeah. The Desert, <laughs> the desert Fox, the man who defeated Britain in Africa. Now, guys, demographic-wise, Britain and France owned Africa. Yes. In all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. And he defeated them. Yes, he did. He drew, land, drew lines in the sand mm-hmm. of the Saharan African world. And Algeria... Libya, Egypt, all looked a lot different under German control mm-hmm. and someone like him. And I think he gets kind of a bad mark in history. Yes, he is a Nazi, but ethically, he's a soldier. And I, a lot of those guys get bad marks, you know, kill them all is how I say it. But I can, I kind of understand. I get it. Mm-hmm. You had a job to do, and you did it to the umpteenth degree. Period. Now, is he a Patton? No. No. <laughs> no, he's not a monster. <laughs> I don't like Patton at all. He, I know. he did a good job, but fuck him. <laughs> I do like the conspiracy of the way he died. I do that on that fascinating. That's, that's for a Triple C episode. I, I like Patton as a general, and he did some cool stuff as a general. Had his giant silver helmet and everything. Yeah. But as far as, like, a person, he's just... He's he's that dumpster fire cousin that shows up at the mm-hmm. reunion that you're like, oh, no, get the popcorn and somebody record this. <laughs> during, during a lot of, like, meetings and stuff, he was very pro-Nazi uh, before all this. He was very like, no, we don't need to focus on Germany. We need to focus on Italy. We need to focus on Japan, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't want to fight in Germany in the beginning until Eisenhower said, look, shut the fuck up or I'm going to throw you in Leavenworth for being pro-enemy and treasonous. Mm-hmm. And back then, treason meant something. Yeah, Treason wasn't, oh, I'm going to take you out back beach with a rubber hose. I'm like, I'm going to put a bullet in the back of your fucking head mm-hmm. and bury you in a pauper's field. Yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. And that, how that, that's pretty much how that fucking discussion happened. Uh, because it was disconcerting morally that a top general in the United States was saying that oh Nazi Germany didn't deserve this. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I could I could see that as well. And I do love the I do love the Band of Brothers storyline of when they're in Bastogne mm-hmm. and just fucking bayonet to bayonet just about and they're like, Oh, Patton saved Easy Company and Easy Company's like, 
fuck him. He didn't say shit. And I was like, that's that's so American. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking American. Like, oh, no, he didn't save no goddamn body. We would have held another fucking four years there. We didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that story. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the story of Band of Brothers is the story of D-Day. Yes. And so what their part, what you see when they uh, kind of get airdropped in, that's Market Garden. Mm-hmm. That's Operation Market Garden. When they're getting kind of flown in, getting shot down and parachuting down, that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, like the Big Red One, mm-hmm. are the ones who took Normandy. Yes. Um, Fusiliers of Britain, a lot of a lot of those guys were involved. Uh, my favorite one is the guy with the sword. Have you heard about this guy? Uh, uh, Mad Jack. Uh, yeah, Mad Jack. Uh, I can't remember his last he name. He decided to storm the beaches of, of <laughs> Europe with nothing but a sword in his hand. Uh, he had his bagpipes. Yes, of course. <laughs> he had that, and he said, it seemed fair. And I'm just like, these guys have MG42s. Fucking just laying this suppressive fire, and this motherfucker's taking the beach with a sword and his bagpipes. That's fucking true fucking Scotland, Britain right there. Mm-hmm. Tougher than shit. And, you know, another thing going, another operation that happened before this is the Dunkirk situation, the yeah. massive evacuations that had to happen because there's a very, kind of a fucked up scene in that movie where they're dropping pamphlets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was, when when I heard about this in history, I'm just like, why the fuck would you telegraph that you're going to tell kill all these people? And it's not so much a warning as it is a moral defeat mm-hmm. that this is going to happen. That's like telling someone when they're going to die. Yeah. And it's going to be like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And how fucking brutal that is yeah um and i love the french resistance pamphlets mm-hmm. it was hey get what you can get here at a certain point man up at some prisons and start setting some people free we're taking it back mm-hmm. and, and you know there is we grew up with the whole stereotype of france as a bunch of fucking pussies and losers because of world war ii but it's because of World War II. Because they got took so quickly. But before that, the French were knee-deep in the mud slaughtering fucking Germans like 20 years before that. So I think that's another part of, of history that does that just, everybody just forgets. That's one of the things that my kids had trouble with. Because my kids, they saw... Their parents are, God forbid, our ages, or younger, help. And they grew up with 9-11, and they saw what happened with France during 9-11. So they're not, they're like, France, one of my kids actually in in my honors class even said, he said, so France rolled over like they always do. I said, whoa, hold on a minute now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fairly new thing. And what are our two examples? Or two in Vietnam. I said, now, hold on a minute. I said, you need to understand that there are two kinds of things here at play. There is the government and your average people on the street. Yeah. I said, and that plays out everywhere. That is in Germany, there's your government and your average people on the street. France, your government, your average people on the street. I said, in France, the government didn't have much of an option. They had to roll over. You see that coming at you. What choice do you have? You got nothing. You got nothing for that, and you know you got nothing for that. You can either fight to the death, which 
most places did. Poland did. It took them three days. But, I mean, they fought to the death. But they stood for it. Yeah. Or do you kowtow and say, hey, you know, leave as many of us as you can, if you would, please. But the French resistance did so much to try to stop things and help out as the average people on the ground. Yeah, the stories the stories out of the French Resistance could take a whole episode. Like, yeah. They are astonishing. Yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, another version of this are the Partisans in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Uh, a horrific film called Come and See um, is about the Partisans of... Have you ever seen this movie? Mm-mm. It's probably the most horrific war movie ever made. Oh, wow. Worse than All Quiet on the Western Front. Worse than any other war movie you can think of. Worse than Chandler's List? Worse. Oh, well. Because it's from the standpoint of one person surviving with partisans fighting Nazis and all the horrific shit he sees from beginning to end. Uh, But that's the resistance you're seeing in that movie. Mm -hmm. Fighting in fields, in woods, watching... People rounded up, thrown in a church, and the church been laying on fire. Yeah. Uh, trying to make it from one place to another without getting caught or captured or killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like that's a perfect example of kind of like what's going on in France at the time with these little villages. You have your cities, but the little villages are the ones taking the biggest heat. Even Germans acknowledged that there was a overreaction to an incident at one town in, in France where they rounded everyone up and murdered them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the Germans at that time, even during World War II, acknowledged, like, yeah, this is our bet. We should have stopped it. But they didn't. No. And that kind of speaks to, like, the mentality of the soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And another thing I was talking about. <laughs> so, an Operation Market Garden, we, know, we all know the fictional story of the Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the real story of the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Uh well, one thing they did was dress like natives, mm-hmm. Native Americans. They dressed like Com- Comanche and Lakota, which is a lot of face paint, Mohawk. They d- Mohawk Indians was a big kind of pull. And think about, put yourself, just close your eyes and imagine for a second. You've heard stories of Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You've seen pictures. Granted, they're probably caricatures or overblown. But a white guy from America has just parachuted into near you and he has black and red face paint on he has a mohawk he's moving around at night and you see the whites of his eyes in the middle of the night and you're like Hans 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 look what I saw and it's just like yeah, God, what What? oh my god what he's in the fucking woods man and it just turns into predator mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, mm-hmm. like how fucking terrifying that would have been yeah like cause there is a story of real Native Americans fighting in World War One mm-hmm. and World War Two. Mm-hmm. The Comanche is my favorite story of World War One, mm-hmm. where he has to complete the trials to become a chieftain, a war chief, mm-hmm. and he does it all to Germans. <laughs> and if you ever seen Legends of the Fall, mm-hmm. it's that's similar. <laughs> it's like yeah. I will take a German's heart and eat it because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's another best. I, well, I got to do it. Like that's another thing about World War II that I think it's said about. Well, I got to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the pillaging part, like the weird pillaging part of corpses, is fascinating to me. Of how they look like. Hey, what did you get? Oh, I got an iron cross. 
at the end of the war, he's got like 30 of them goddamn things mm-hmm. strapped in a boot. <laughs> because he fucking can. Mm-hmm. How much weird Nazi paraphernalia got brought back to the United States? A lot. A lot. Along with Italian paraphernalia and Japanese paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. So, as the battle comes to a head for Operation Overlord, mm-hmm. granted, coolest fucking name. Yes. Uh, the Germans have been beaten so badly that even trying to figure out how many people they had lost was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh Britain had registered between Australian forces that had already been sent over uh, Canadian forces about sixty five thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, America's about one hundred twenty five thousand, give or take. Um, it's kind of hard to find because uh, uh, a, a bad thing that happened for the British was there was a lot of people captured and wounded. Yes, um, and the Nazis had very uh, no quarter mentality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up until later on, where they were like, oh. Fuck me. It'd take prisoners because, like, if, us, if we lose and then we told them we killed everyone we captured, it's gonna look bad. Yeah, and they might fucking hang us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we were going to do. We we're going to hang all of you. And that was if they were lucky. Can you imagine if some of the propaganda America decided to make true about America? Like, let's say, like, you know, there's propaganda about America and Japan mm-hmm. that were cannibals. Yeah. We're seven foot tall giants that shoot lightning from our eyes. It's like, yeah, some of those people believe that shit. And they were killing themselves in droves because of it. Yeah. But can you imagine just one guy being like, I ate a dude. It's fine. I was hungry. It was Saipan. The sun was beating down. So I ate that little Japanese guy. (laughs) Can you imagine how horrific that would be? Yes. Like how fucked up. You're just like, oh, look, look, it's true. Well, you said it was true. No, no, I mean it's fucking true. I mean, look with your eyes. <laughs> yeah, look at your fucking eyes. Like, how scary that would be. I always think about that kind of stuff. Like, I was, like, hear stories about Germany, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. And, like, those were mostly true. Yeah. Those eyewitness kept were mostly true. Yeah. But when you finally get there and it's young kids basically fighting that's left of them and it's just like, really? Old men and children? That's all that's left of this great great fucking military we've been fighting all goddamn three years yeah and that's another thing too like how fast it ends mm-hmm. and obviously it doesn't end fast enough but from june 6th to ve day was a may mm-hmm. may of 45 yep a year it took america and allied forces a year to defeat probably the greatest military of its time mm-hmm. because like military wise yeah the, we're okay we just kept throwing stuff at them and throwing stuff at them and then it just ran out of bullets mm-hmm. but you know military wise you know America wasn't that great you know we had all this stuff yeah it was it was like the Sherman tank is a perfect example mm-hmm. yeah Sherman tank ain't great compared to a panzer tank yeah. or a tiger tank yeah. you know these things were built to last and to destroy and it's like yeah a tiger tank can take out probably like 12 tanks but it can't take out 24 <laughs> <laughs> you ain't wrong yeah you know what I'm saying like let's keep loading these motherfuckers down and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a, kind of another part of like the movie uh, Fury mm-hmm. those guys had survived D-Day and kept going in deeper and deeper and I can only imagine what that's like 
hey, you you survived this horrific event on a beach, you know, band of, like Band of Brothers, you know, Easy Company. Hey, I need you to go further. How further? The Black Forests of Europe. Hey, why is it called that? No reason. <laughs> it's not like a bunch of people murdered in, in the Middle Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, in those forests, and that's why yeah. those trees stand so tall. No. And it's not like it's so dark in there you can't see, even in the daylight. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's the ocean on land. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, you're fine. You're fine. But with this, you know, these are the first steps mm-hmm. of taking down these motherfuckers. Yep. All because the Japanese got a little ornery. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think there's a bigger example of fuck around and find out than Germany not telling Japan, you need to fucking chill. <laughs> not up to that point. Once you stick to China, stick to that, and we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, Russia's about to lose anyway, any day now. We're good. We're good. We'll split fucking China in half if you want to. You can have most of Russia. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. But Japan's like, uh, I got this itchy feeling. I got to get it out. And you know the famous quote from the Admiral of the Japanese Navy? We have awakened a sleeping giant. Yeah. No, I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant. No, you awakened a goddamn dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and not some weird, like, Japanese one. I'm talking about a real European dragon heart dragon. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, measured response is a great fucking example of this, mm-hmm. too. Uh, with D Day happening and every event afterward is just another domino falling yes uh and with the lead up to this go, go just going back to lead up you know how would you describe that to children in your class like how would you like if you had to like you know because uh you dress up <laughs> a little bit and you and you talk about the events in history and stuff like I that do. you're very you know personal with the kids how would you kind of describe it like hey miss phillips what the fuck were they thinking? Miss <laughs> Phillips, Miss Phillips, Miss Phillips. Hey, what do you hey, want more? Why didn't we scalp? Why didn't we scalp every German from Hamburg to fucking Liechtenstein? Well, we're not savages, Chris. Shut the fuck up. From what I understand, <laughs> we may have done that to a few. One hundred Nazi scalps, I heard, is a rumor. Uh, um, the for the God, lead- if that was true. I God mean, damn it. I mean. <laughs> I mean. 100 Nazi scalps. And you will get me my scalps and so, you will die trying. For those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about a fucking glorious bastard, a fictionalized stale of how, how World War II should have fucking ended. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Um, as, when we talked about the lead up, I, I did a big deal about the American aspect and how we were viewing the war and how we were viewing what was going on in Europe at the time. And one of the most interesting things that I did for the kids is I printed out a piece of paper and it had two opinions on it. One was Charles Lindbergh giving a big speech about why we should not go to war with Germany no matter what no matter what they did, said nothing. And the other one was uh, another senator, I'm not sure where from, saying that enough was enough, and there'd been enough bloodshed, there'd been enough terror, we needed to do something. 
And then at the end of this piece of paper, it said, based on what you have read only from these two things, what do you think? Should we go to war? Ms. Phillips, who the fuck is Charles Lindbergh, and why does he think he can speak for all Germans? <sighs> he sounds pretty fucking lame. So <laughs> the kids answered it, honestly, turned it in. I read them all. And then the kids all went to lunch. I had a kid who made it a point to tell me at the beginning of the semester, he said, I'm going to be your annoying kid this semester. I'm going to be going above and beyond because World War II is my subject I'm really interested in. Red and fucking butter. I said, kid, I went to college for it, so come on. Give me your best shot. They went to lunch. He stayed late. And I ate lunch in my room anyway, and he knew it. So he said, do you think we should have gone earlier? I said, oh, yeah. He said, when? What event do you think should have sparked us going? I said, Kristallnacht. I said, that's an act of war. I said, you cannot tell me that was not an act of war. And for those who are listening who don't know what Kristallnacht is, can you explain that? Uh, that is uh, that is a German word for the night of the broken glass in which the Nazi party, Hitler's brown shirts and other Gestapo officers got together had a big torchlight parade. And then when they got done with the torchlight parade, had a few beer hall meetings and some alcohol served. Then they all decided to go around Germany, mostly Nuremberg and big cities, Berlin, and they broke windows in Jewish-owned businesses, shops, and synagogues, burned all the businesses and homes, uh, fire departments were told not to put out fires. Uh, men of military age were arrested or killed. And they were taken to, if they were alive, they were taken to labor camps at the time. Dachau was uh, running at the time when Kristallnacht was open. It was happening. And this was actually reported in the New York Times. It made American papers. There were photos and footage lot that was posted. Um, the Americans knew about it like the next day. Uh, the Americans pulled their... Um, oh, God. Um, their... Uh, the people that... Uh, not advisors. My Ambassadors. Brain. Yeah, yeah, they're ambassadors. Thank you. They pulled their ambas ambassadors out of Germany when this happened. As you do. As one does when everything's on fire. And this was when the Nuremberg laws were getting ready to take effect. And this is kind of like, a, for people who are listening, this is you know our first real history episode, is a kind of fun dynamic is, hey, what would you do? <laughs> she has a very measured response. <laughs> It's simple. A war crime is committed. An act of war is being made. Mine is a little bit more visceral. Mine would have been 1938 uh, in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, during the, I'm not going to say it, but the taking of Nanking. Mm -hmm. uh, that would have been my bread and fucking butter. Yeah, we're taking it. We're making Japan the 51st state. <laughs> the 51st state. And that's another thing. Like, uh, we joke around this, you know, people who don't know, me and Chrissy have been friends for a very long time, mm -hmm. uh, and we joke about this kind of stuff. And I joke about, you know, 
why America doesn't have more states. <laughs> and rightfully, they should. <laughs> Hell bless. South Korea is pretty much an American state. Uh, Japan should have been. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. There's no reason why we can't have more states. There's plenty of rooms for the stars with the bars. <laughs> so, just throwing it out there. And, and another idea of how nuclear weapons should be used. <laughs> more willy-nilly, exactly. Is my exact wording. <laughs> well, ironically, since you say 38, Kristallnacht happened in 38. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... Like we said early in the episode, this was the, the demographic at the time wouldn't have allowed that. No, um, a European problem is just that a European problem. Yeah, that's and, their problem over there. And as much as we want to go back to that, the United States can't. Yeah, uh, and this is where our demographic shows up. Mm-hmm. Where hey, you threw a rock at me, I burnt your town to the ground. Why would you? Why? Why? Why did you throw that rock at me? Look, look at what it did. Look at what it did to my car. It hit the tire. How dare you? You could have popped the tire. Can you imagine if I had a popped tire? Then I could go to work, and then I can't feed my family. I think you don't want me to feed my family. And I just played that by. I'm just some psychopath. Mm-hmm. Just build up these weird fucking dominoes. Yeah, about catastrophize the daylights yeah. out of everything. Yeah, how dare you let a fly in the house, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of like, you remember, uh, did you ever see that little video? It's, the, uh, it's like a... It's like a kid video or something. It's just this this woman playing mommy and this guy playing daddy, and he gets home and a plastic cup falls on the ground and like this happy go lucky thing just stops. Like it's like pick up the cup. Oh, I get it. He's like, what's taking so fucking long? And it's like it just sucks the air out of the room and it's just like, is he going to hit that woman because she dropped a cup? Like that's how I remember how America is post World War Two. It's just mm-hmm. like shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I can imagine how. How people were on their toes, mm-hmm. especially after uh, August eighth of of the nineteen forty five. Yes, people were on their goddamn toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, August sixth, seventh, and eighth were the droppings of two nuclear weapons on Japan. Uh, we'll get into that later on. That's oh. gonna have to be a whole episode because it's gonna take that long for us to have that argument. Oh, it's not just the argument of how we built the motherfucker. It, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, God. I think my perfect, uh, the perfect analogy I ever heard about nuclear weapons, well, I have the gun. I got to shoot it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a pop off of Rita. Oh, I spent all this money on this gun. You're not going to tell me I can't shoot the motherfucker. <sighs> it's not like I can test to buy. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But uh, that's coming up on an anniversary very soon. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, 1945, April, uh, August is coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going into this, this is the 70, uh, by the time you're hearing this, guys, uh, it is in June. Um, we are doing bi-monthly episodes as mm-hmm. much as we can. Trying to come up. We, I came up with this idea because Memorial Day had just passed. It is June, uh, what's today, 10th? I, I can't keep track of time. It is the 10th, yes. Yes, yeah, the 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted this kind of to be released around June 6th, but... It's fine. <laughs> but uh, we want you guys to kind of get it, kind of go along with us on these episodes. We want everybody to be active uh, in the Discord or message us directly. You know, tell us what you want to hear about. Is there something that you know a little about and want to know more about? Or do you want to us to delve deeper into a subject you already know? Just probably find those little nuggets of, of truth that kind of get left by the wayside. 
Or do you want to just nerd with us? Because yes, nerd with us. If you, uh, I promise you, if you even remotely get me going, I will talk about the Holocaust for days, or I will talk about my grandfather for days, who was also in World War II. I will talk about the Irish and why they can't be trusted. <laughs> she hit me, guys. You heard that? She hit me. But uh, but no, the this is always fun. Like uh, this is a big plan for us, you know. Um, and another thing I want to ask is, you know, as a teacher. <laughs> You know, we talked about an intro episode and how like part of a certain part of the war is mandatory to teach. Yes. Uh, if you have, you know, how long are you spending on World War Two? Like, brand new curriculum starts next year or this year, later this year in the fall. Yep. Uh, your kids have already graduated. Yep. Um, happy graduates! Good luck out there. <laughs> Congratulations to the class of twenty twenty three. May the force be with you. Good luck finding a house. <laughs> You're so mean. But, uh, but yeah, so how 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 much time do you think in the shorter, you know, it is a limited amount of time to teach yes. history. How much time do you think you could devote to kind of make it worth their while? I, I know try, it's, it's a loaded question. But. I try to spend anywhere from two to three weeks on World War II. Mm-hmm. And that's from... The lead up to it's over. We've all signed the papers. We've dropped the bomb. We're golden. We're done. Yeah. The whole kit and caboodle. And and we're done in America and it's done in Europe. Yeah. And that's specific theater, Germany, everybody. Unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender on all on all areas. So it's at least two to three weeks. Plus I have to throw in the North Carolina. Yeah. in there because I was on the North Carolina as a volunteer and I did my internship there for a little while. So, now For those who don't know, the, the USS North Carolina, where, where was it stationed during World War II? Um, it, was in, it was in the South Pacific and it's, jo- it's a battleship and it is a Iowa class, I believe. I could be wrong. If I am, I apologize. Off the top of my head. Um, and for those who know, Iowa class means corn-fed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beefy and strong. Beefy and strong. Filled with Midwestern kids who just want to kill a crowd. <laughs> that too. Um, the USS North Carolina battleship was a... Most of the time, it served as an escort to bigger ships, carriers, mm. in the Pacific. And it would escort back and forth. Or it would be part of uh, larger groups that would escort back and forth. It was also majorly, majorly useful in uh, the taking of several islands in the Philippines. I did shore, a lot of shore bombardments. Uh, it uh, also was very famous for doing well against kamikaze attacks. The ship left New York when it was built in it was commissioned in 41 and it left in 41 and when it uh, left New York Harbor it did not have a radar that's how new the ship was they sent it out without radar so when it got the radar it already had a crew on it that had no idea what radar was or how to use it so they had to learn how to use the radar while they were all on, already on the ship so to use the radar they had to learn how to use the radar in action so they had to use the radar while they were being shot at. 
So if you ever go to the ship or if you look it up online, it has battle stars and such on the sides, just like your regular soldier wears their pins on their shoulder. This ship has her own pins that she wears. And it has various islands that it shows that it has taken, helped to take shore bombardments and such. It has a number of planes that it has helped shoot down in the hundreds. Um, it was uh, torpedoed in action. It didn't sink, but it was it. Uh, five members, five crew members were lost on board, and it was able to seal off and list back to port. But it saw a lot of action yeah. in the South Pacific at the time. That was more. It was just more specific. Yeah. Theater. Part of the rebuild. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always think I always think those are pretty neat because uh, I've been on the U.S. North Carolina twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone who is six foot two, <laughs> it is uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, because people were smaller back then. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is kind of see that 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 kind of like notch on the bedpost, notch on the gun type things on the side of mm-hmm. the ships. Because I remember seeing uh, the Air and Space Museum, and one of them was a. Um, a plane I can't remember the class or anything but it had the iron crosses on the side of how many Germans it shot down which you know a whole story unto itself is the German pilots and trying to kill them motherfuckers mm-hmm. but this one had 26 wow just bad out of hell you know kind of pilot you know one of those kind of guys mm-hmm. because you, you see a lot of it in the Pacific theater of planes that survived with the uh, the the flag of the rising sun mm-hmm those are Japanese kills, you know. But to be a German, to be American, to shoot down Germans, mm-hmm. that is wholly impressive. Because oh, yeah. they're just too good at what they did. Yeah. Um, which, you know, after later on, it's just they're throwing everything at the fucking Americans they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of, like, D-Day, you know, being that first step, and that's kind of what I want to talk about it, because you know, this is America's first step into... The European theater since World War One, mm-hmm. and you know how do you how do you kind of separate those two from a country that fought to help Europe, and Europe had lost so many people mm-hmm. to being like, nah, we're good for years, mm-hmm. and then find fine, oh, God damn it, like Elmer Fudd. Ugh. Find the goddamn rabbit. Like, <laughs> it actually made me think of uh, Wyatt Earp from Tombstones. Like, you called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> of all the people to piss off. <laughs> like, I know the world would be shaped very differently if America didn't get involved. Yeah. But, you know, that that's always the big if, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't like dealing in what ifs a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like playing the game a little bit. But, hey, what would you do? Mm-hmm. But the what if game is kind of kind of a moot point when yeah. we're talking about the history. Uh, we do know the Nazis did have plans for the United States mm-hmm. later on, Yep. after 41. But pre-41, they had no... It was Europe only, mm-hmm. and North Africa, and parts of Asia. Um, and that's another thing about this kind of show is, you know, your hindsight on this is, you know, this is what we know. You know these are facts. And I always encourage everybody, look, these people... Aren't going to be around much longer. Yes. Uh, pretty much almost all gone now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I know that's kind of disconcerting for a lot of people, but that's yeah. why you know shows like this exist, not just ours, but other shows, uh, interviews and stuff like that. Museums. Why they, yeah, why they need to be told. And that's kind of like what I liked about Band of Brothers was they were interviewed during, like while the show, mm-hmm. and like you had the beginning and the end. Yeah. Like, hey, this is this is Winters. He was just a you know he's just a farmer or teacher or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good guy. You know, what did he do? Oh, he took a battalion. He took it. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! That's some Audie Murphy type shit. Yep. And those are some of the figures we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heroes and the craziest characters mm-hmm. of you know we talked about Mad Jack briefly, but like mm-hmm. there are some crazy fucking characters on the American oh, yeah. side and the German side mm-hmm. all around who fought tooth and nail and did some kind of spectacular and fantastical things, mm-hmm. uh, either positive or negatively. Yeah. But we're going to end that episode here. We will be back with some more episodes. We are going to shotgun approach this. We're going all over history, folks. <laughs> we're not just going to do World War II for the next 17 fucking episodes. We, we just picked this, cherry-picked this event uh, because it's easy for us to talk about on the fly. Uh, again, please join us anytime on the Discord. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, let us know what we could do better for you. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Christy, for being a great co-host. Hope to do more. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Chris.